You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Today we're going to talk about war. And I'm excited, because not because I like war, but because I like what we're going to talk about, and hopefully it's going to clarify. And if things get real tough, check this out. I can go double on you. All right, so that's kind of cool. All right, we're going to talk about war today. We're going to come back to this. And uh, we're, going, we're going into battle. We're going to start a series today on the supernatural. And uh, it's probably one of those areas that is, uh, people like to talk about, but it's also a very controversial area because it probably has the most misunderstandings about it in church and in people's lives. And so we're going to see what the Bible has to say about a lot of the areas that, uh, that involve the supernatural. You know, we have a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of what I would consider misbeliefs and uh, bad beliefs, in fact, on a lot of issues like when it comes to the supernatural, devils, demons, the occult, um, things that have to do uh, with, with evil and darkness, uh, seances, um, whatever. You know, we're going to talk about all those areas. We're going to talk about demon possession, we're going to talk about witches. We're going to talk about, um, well, anything you want to talk about, actually, because each week I'm going to provide for you a text number that you can text me, and uh, we can actually take your questions at the end of the service. So um, we usually take one of two positions on the whole idea of the occult, and the first one is is we emphasize it too much. So a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of uh, folks, we emphasize the dark side or the secret side or the supernatural. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys were around enough to remember the church lady from Saturday Night Live. Um, And uh, the whole idea of the church lady was here was this religious person who was um, a church lady, and she would have these guests, kind of a talk show and stuff, and, and whenever something bad or evil or something would, would happen on the set, the church lady would go, hmm, could it be Satan? You know, it's the whole idea is, gee, I wonder what, what that was. Hmm, could it be Satan? You know, because the idea is that there's a lot of people in the church that blame the devil on everything. He's over in the corner somewhere going, Christians blame me for everything. Is that an accurate picture or not? We're going to take a look at that. Sometimes we emphasize it too much. And another thing that we tend to do is we ignore it altogether. And uh, there's a lot of people that think, well, to believe in the supernatural, believe in the devil is dumb. Demons, really? Come on. I mean, this is, we're, we're adults. We're mature. Those are for the superstitious. And uh, we're going to talk about the devil, what the Bible says about the devil and about demons. And we're going to talk about angels. We're also going to talk about heaven and hell, places and experiences of the supernatural. C.S. Lewis once said this in one of his books. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, talking about people, can fall about the devil, talking about the human race. And that is, one is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So my goal is not to stir up an unhealthy interest for the occult or darkness in you. Because I want to tell you something. We are born into sin, the Bible says. Every one of us, every person on the planet is born with the desire to do dark things. And you know what we are obsessing over, whether we're Christian or not? We obsess over darkness. 
We, we want to know about darkness. We're kind of drawn to darkness. Evil is kind of, you know, something that is curiosity among believers and non-believers because we are born with a dark nature, the sin nature that draws us to the natural things of darkness. But God says, no, it's time to let go of those natural things and look to the supernatural of how God wants us to live and to think. So we're going to get a Bible view on that. Today we're going to lay the ground week for the few weeks ahead. So today we're going to lay the framework and then we're going to build upon that. During the messages each week, there's going to be my text, my phone number right here. And if any time during the service, you have a question pertaining what we're going to talk about today. For instance, don't ask me questions about angels and demons today. We're going to talk about angels and demons. You know, uh, I haven't decided, I think probably next week. Either it's going to be next week or the following week. So I want you to keep your questions to maybe some of the areas that we're talking about. If you have a question you got to know today, feel free to text me, even if it's not. But um, we're going to just know that we're going to talk more about other things. So it's okay. Get your phone out and text during service today. How often will you tell a, have a pastor tell you to do that, right? So uh, that's my text number. Go ahead and write it down. Um, it's also in the worship guide as my phone number, as a contact number, and uh, you can text me at that. So uh, I'll take the time at the end of the message to answer them, and um, so my messages aren't long in this series, right? And uh, we'll see. So let's jump in with Second Corinthians 10, verse 3. It says, for though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The world wages war through bombs and through uh, warfare and, uh, you know, through machine guns. Uh, it says, but our war is not like that at all. He says, goes on to say, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And the strongholds he's talking about are not physical buildings, but spiritual attacks, spiritual buildings and beings. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So I want you to know this. Number one, I want you to write this down. We are not alone. We're not alone in this world. We're not alone in, in, in life. I mean, in, when you're in a room by yourself, you're not alone. You might look up here and you think, oh, Ted's up here. You know, he's up here alone. I'm not up here alone. Uh, the Bible says that there is activity, that there is another world, one that we cannot see. My challenge to you today is open up your eyes to what God is saying about what we cannot see, an invisible war, an invisible world, a spirit world. There's a war going on right now that is invisible. Two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You know, a lot of things, uh, we think about a lot of weird things when it comes to, um, to darkness. Go back to that slide too. I want to talk about some of the images that, that are on this slide. Some of the weird things that we kind of think of. Um, you know, these are scenes from like scary movies that, you know, oh, people are obsessed with scary movies. It's just, it's a whole other conversation. We got, um, you know, apparitions of ghosts. This is one of my least favorite pictures of all on the internet. I think it's the most ridiculous picture as if Jesus and the devil were somehow an equal match and that Jesus has just got a little edge on him, we hope, right? We hope that Jesus has worked out just a little bit longer than the devil. But if, you see, if you've ever seen this full picture in color, man, man, the devil's got some incredible pecs. I mean, he is obviously working out. And we can't see Jesus because he's always got this robe. And that's got to be one of the whitest Jesus I've ever seen. 
He's whiter than the white, blue-eyed Jesus on the old pictures. Uh, but this is a popular picture. I mean, if you were to type in Satan versus Jesus or, or God versus devil, this picture would come up, and there's thousands of this. I'm like, come on. But that's what we think. We somehow think that light and dark are arm wrestling, and we just pray to God that he wins, right? Ah, silly. So that's why we're doing this series, so that you can see things differently with spiritual eyes. I want you to know this. We are not alone. And I'm not talking about aliens. Uh, I'm talking about an invisible world around us, just as real as you see, but you cannot see it, and it's just as real. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see it described. Here's an example. In 2 Kings chapter 8, here's a neat story about Elijah, one of the prophets, and he has a servant, and he and the servant are kind of uh, backed in a corner. The enemy is about to attack them. And the servant is afraid because he sees the people of God and that's a small number of people. And he sees the army that's coming against them. And it's an army of hundreds of thousands. And he's afraid. And this is what Elijah prays. He says this in verse 15. I hear you. He says this. He says, when the servant of the Lord of God, that's Elijah, got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So the servant was afraid. And this is what Elijah said. He said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, and I'm sure the guy's like, uh, hello. I'm looking at our, like a couple hundred dudes, and I'm looking at, Hundreds of thousands, you need to go back to school. You obviously failed math. Um, Dude, you can't count. And this is what Elijah says in verse 17. He says, and Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. He says, I want you to know something. He says, There's more going on than what you see. You might see your troubles, your events, your daily affairs. You might see what appears to be the enemy attacking you. And Elijah says, no, God opened his eyes to see what's really going on. And all of a sudden he sees chariots of fire. He sees soldiers of fire. He sees the army of the Lord, spirit beings who, as we read the rest of the story, who go to war on their behalf. Um, It's pretty amazing. There's an example. So God gave him a moment, a glimpse to see the spirit world. We are not alone. Second thing I want you to know is that we are in a war. We are in a war. That verse says that our war is not like a war of this world. It's a different type of war. Have you heard of spiritual warfare? Anybody ever heard of spiritual warfare? Okay. What does spiritual warfare mean? Anybody? Shout it out. What does spiritual warfare mean? You war with spirits. Okay. Using the phrase to define itself. Yes, that could work. Anybody else <laughs> that, that they're, they're fighting over us, that there's a two kingdoms, light and dark, that are fighting over us? Anybody else? Principalities and powers, uh, meaning, uh, meaning what? What are principalities and powers? You're talking about world governments? No, we're in the uh, spirit realm, powers and principalities. Well, many, they're not really sure. I want to tell you something, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, 
Even if you're not a Christian, you need to know this. But if you're a Christian, you must embrace this and, and open up your eyes to something that is very real, that is very supernatural. If we are to grow and mature as individuals in our family and in our church, we must understand spiritual warfare. It is real. We are in a war, a very real war. We're not fighting with guns and bombs and nunchucks and slingshots and we're not even fighting with swords this is a symbol of what we're going to talk about but with prayer and faith in jesus take a look at this verse in ephesians 6 we're going to unpack it in a little bit but just this one verse right here for now verse 12 it says for our struggle this war this fight this battle that we are in it says is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says, he says, this is Paul writing to a church in Ephesus, writing to the pastor there named Timothy. He says, listen, Timothy, listen and let your people know there is a war going on, but it's not a war where you want to fight your neighbor and you want to, some of you want to punch out your boss. That's not the real war. All right, the war is not flesh and blood. It's not with people, but it is something much more than that. This battle is not about a person. This battle is not about a coworker. It's not about your dad. This war is not about your mom. It's not about your boss. It's not about that kid at school. It's not a war with the Democrats. Hello, it's not a war with the Republicans. Come on, it's not a war with our president. Don't shout me down. This is a war that is not with Hollywood. This is not a war with your television. This is not a war with the actors or the people who are the producers of the media. This is a war in the heavenlies, in the spirit realm. All right? So stop waging war with people. Paul says this is not a war of flesh and blood. This is a spiritual war. Our struggle, the war we are in, is with invisible spiritual beings. Again, I'm not talking about aliens, but spirit beings. What you see is not all there is. What we don't see is as real as what we see. There's a whole world around us that we cannot see, that even in this room is working in the midst of this room and around this world as Christians gather together and as people are on the balance of saying yes or no to Jesus, there's a war going on. Look around, what do you see? Do you have spiritual eyes to see? I want you to write this down. This is a third thing. This is spiritual warfare 101 is we have an enemy. We have an enemy. If our enemy is not with each other and our enemy is not with people in this life, then who is our enemy? Well, you do have one. The Bible calls him Satan. The Bible calls him the devil, the serpent, the great dragon, the deceiver, the murderer, the accuser, the adversary, the thief, the lawless one, the rebellious one, the enemy of our soul. There are so many names given to this enemy of ours, and we're going to talk more about him uh, next week. I think we're going to talk about him next week. Um, But the good news is this. God is almighty, and Jesus has already won. Good news, Satan is a loser. Good news, it's not an arm wrestling match and we just hope to God that Jesus has the edge. He's already won. 
He has already beat the devil. Satan is in no way equal to God. He is a created being. He has very limited power. But here's the bad news. You guys want the bad news as well as the good news, right? The bad news is the enemy is not giving up quietly. He's not going down without a fight. And if you are a follower of Jesus, the enemy has you in his sights. He is invisible. He is evil. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your life. He is evil and he's on the attack. He is your enemy and he's real. And, and we need to not have an ignorance of him. The Bible says, I don't want you to be ignorant of his schemes or his plans or his plots or his deceptive ways. We are to be aware, but not afraid because we have already won. If you are a believer, we're going to talk about that in a minute. What this does not mean, it does not mean that the devil is behind everything that's bad. The Bible tells us that evil comes from three places. The flesh, that means our evil desires because we're born with a sin nature. And sometimes you do evil things because your sin nature says you want selfish things and you give in to those selfish things, you know. If you struggle with lust, uh, lust, it may or may not be the enemy. So it may be your sinful nature that you got to kill, that you got to die to your flesh, right? Some of you, uh, I want you to know that evil does not just come from the devil. It comes from the, the flesh. It comes from the world because we live in a fallen world that's filled with fallen people who are living and giving into their own evil, selfish, sinful nature. And a lot of times we are dealing with the consequences of somebody else's evil, selfish pursuits. Right? Sometimes when, when, if there's a tragedy, an event like a drunk driver takes out some child, you know, it's not, the devil ultimately relishes and takes joy and pleasure in that. But sometimes it's just an evil person who, who's, let me put it this way, a person who's responding to evil desires and you are living with the consequences of living in a fallen world filled with fallen people. And then third place evil comes from is, is the demonic realm, the spiritual realm where the, Demons actually are functioning and doing the bidding and the work of the enemy to disrupt our lives. We're gonna, it's important to know which is which, and we're going to talk more about that next week. And I don't want you to miss anyone on the series because this is one of these type of series you need to get a clear head on these issues. Otherwise, you will walk in fear, and we are not to walk in any fear. And uh, so it doesn't mean that the devil is behind everything that's bad, and it also doesn't mean that the devil is behind every sickness or disease. Mental disorders are not necessarily demonic spirits, all right? Every time someone gets a disease or a sick, it's not necessarily a demonic spirit. Again, we live in a fallen world where sickness and decay, a broken DNA system of, in each and every one of us is destined for destruction and decay. And bro- we are broken. Did you know that? Your body is broken. You can jog until you're like, you know, can jog 100 miles. And you're still going to die one day. Hello. You know, that doesn't mean don't jog. You want to live as long as you can. And you can eat all the healthy foods you want, but one day you're still going to have an appointment with the grave. And I want you to know it's not because the enemy is making you sick or making you get old. It's because we have a broken DNA system as a result of the fall of Adam, which, you know, you could take back to Satan because he tempted them. We're going to talk about that next week. All these things that we're going to talk about this week. I'm mean, again, I'm laying the groundwork for what we're going to talk about. But with that in mind, there's a very real spirit realm where the devil does do evil things and demons do 
inflict pain and suffering on people and do take control of people's lives. We're going to talk about that as well this series. So how does the enemy attack? What does this war look like in the natural and in the supernatural? Here's what I want to focus on real quick is what does the enemy look like? How do you know when the enemy is, is, is upon your doorstep? Because a lot of times we think, well, the enemy is when a Ouija board shows up in my house. Or the enemy is when, you know, my son or daughter decides to get a pentagram tattoo or something. We get, that's when we, oh, we finally see the enemy. We, when we see occultic images or oh, scary movies about demons, that's when the enemy finally shows. No, there, he's, he shows up long before that. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you. The enemy is at work in many of your lives right now. And, and, and I'm not talking about you're in the occult. I'm talking the enemy is at work in you right now. Because here's how he attacks. I want you to write this down. The first way, or one of the many ways, that the enemy attacks is through blindness, spiritual blindness. The Bible says this. He says, the enemy works over time to bring opposition to anyone coming closer to Jesus using distractions, denial, and pride. Second Corinthians 4, 3 says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, by the way, uh, this verse has been used to elevate the devil to some sort of God status. Like the devil is like the God of this world, the God of this age. And he's like a God. Let me tell you something. There is only one King of Kings, one Lord of Lords, one master and ruler of all. There's only one who is in control of all things. And his name is not the devil. His name is not, uh, you know, Satan. The devil is not, it doesn't mean that the devil has any authority in this age. If you parallel with other scriptures, it says there are many who make this world their God. There are many that make the devil and the the principles of the enemy their life, their deity, their God. Basically, they're worshiping this world. They're worshiping the enemy. This is a little G. It in no way gives him any authority because the Bible says every God outside of the Lord God is a false God, is an idol, and has no power over those that are his. So the Bible says here, Paul is saying, he says, the God of this age, by the way, he's not a God at all. He's referring to how people elevate him to deity status and worship him in their life. He says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Some of you are struggling to follow right now. Some of you are like trying to fight to stay awake. You know, some of you are struggling to even want to tune in and be a part. You know, I believe the enemy is at work to distract, to pull you away, to pridefully fold your arms and go, this is dumb. Christians are crazy. The enemy is at work and he wants you to check out. He doesn't want you free. He wants pride to set in. And the enemy is at work to blind you spiritually. Have you ever talked to someone about Jesus and that no matter what they say, you feel like you're hitting a brick wall. Everything that you say is like, (laughs) sure. You know, that's how they respond when you talk to them about Jesus or maybe you respond like that. They listen and they talk about every spiritual thing. They're like, they embrace Buddhism. But when you talk about Jesus, (laughs) it's a little far-fetched. Yeah, it's not far-fetched to think that we were born out of a cobra and a lotus plant. But Jesus, really, 
Come on. God on the earth, really? I've got five million. They're all better than yours, right? You know why? It's because your eyes are blind. Here's what it says. The next thing is another way the enemy attacks is to accuse you through condemnation. Uh, condemnation, disapproval. The enemy works to accuse and condemn you, to think that you are the worst person ever. Satan's name in the Old Testament was accuser and adversary. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. He tells you, you can't tell anybody about what's going on in your life. You, you can't really reveal your heart to your small group. You can't really, you know, talk to your wife. You can't really share that prayer need. People will think you're weird. People will think you're strange. Nobody will love you once you tell them the truth about who you are. You are a loser. God has given up on you. Some of you have listened to those voices from the accuser, from the adversary so long that you think that they're true. And you think that they're just your mind playing tricks on you. Listen, that's the enemy lying to you about who you are and who you can be and who you can be in Christ. Here's the third thing the enemy does. He tricks you into doubting God's goodness. In Genesis, we see the original sin. Adam and Eve was put on this planet to give glory to God and reflect his legacy. The serpent comes to them, and the Bible tells us later that the serpent is the devil in disguise. And the serpent tricks him, and and I don't know if you remember what he tempted them as that, is that God said, you know, Adam and Eve, do whatever you want, but just don't eat this tree over here of knowledge. Not that the tree is magical, but it gives them the knowledge of sin and evil because when they eat that, they will be disobeying God. So basically, the serpent comes and says, you know what? God doesn't want you to have that because that'll make you like God. He's holding out on you. God wants you to kind of live in kind of ignorance. God doesn't really want you to have fun. God doesn't really want you to experience life. God doesn't want you to have the power and the knowledge that he has. That's what the serpent said. The lie that he planted was doubting God's plan and goodness for their life. And you might know the story. Adam and Eve both ate of that tree of knowledge. Sin entered mankind. The enemy is still attacking us with doubting of God's goodness. Why me, God? Why my dad? (coughs) Why my life? Why my marriage? Maybe, God, you're just not that good. Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't really love me, God. Maybe you are an evil being up there who just likes to crush us like ants. Maybe you don't care. This is what Matthew 13, 19 says. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart That is the seed sown along the path. You see, the enemy works to snatch the truth of God's goodness from our heart, to rob what God is doing, and to doubt his word and goodness. That's his plan. And some of you, the enemy is working in your life right now. Here's another area. He works to deceive you. He works to lie to you, to to bring deceit and deception. The enemy is at work when you experience or participate in deception. It's what Jesus said in John 8, 44, talking to the hypocritical religious leaders. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. He says, and you want to carry out your father's desires. That's the devil's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. See, 
Some of you are hearing lies right now. You're saying, well, God's not here. God's not with me. Some of you are hearing lies when you say, well, the devil's not here. The devil, you know, he's the whole demonic thing. That's just kind of over the top. That's a little too, you know, superstitious. This is a waste of time. Some of you, you hear the enemy say, it's okay, lie to your wife. Lie to your kids. Lie to your boss. Lie to that teacher. Lie to your friends. When you lie and deceive, you're being used by Satan, the Bible says. And your life will end in ruin. Here's another thing that the enemy does, and he's attacking many of us right now, and that is he's working to divide us. Because the enemy, he attacks by dividing you. Dividing you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your friends, you and your family, you and your church. And he works overtime to split up churches. Division is when someone hurts you and you check out. It's when someone hurts you and you nurse the wound and carry the pain. The Bible says when you do that, you give the devil a foothold. This is what it says in Ephesians 4, 26. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He's saying when you have unforgiveness, when you have some sort of issue with somebody else and you don't get it resolved, you're giving the devil a foothold in your life. He's got his foot in the door. And as long as you have unforgiveness, as long as you have these issues with somebody, fill in the blank, mom, dad, or your church, wherever, anybody, as long as you have your foot of unforgiveness in the door, you're allowing the foot of the devil to be in your life. And the enemy would love to destroy you and your family. He would love to destroy the body of Christ by tearing us apart and using unforgiveness to harden our hearts and keep us away from each other and keep us divided. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says this. It says in 11, it says, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. He says, man, a great scheme, a great attack, a great plot, a great plan of the enemy is division. The root of unforgiveness. The bulk of the New Testament is written as a warning to be open to the schemes of the enemy to divide the church. The majority of the New Testament is about that. It's about unforgiveness and being aware of the enemy's attacks of false teaching. Here's another thing the enemy does. He likes to ensnare you. He likes to trap you. He likes to tempt you. He likes to set a trap, catch you, trick you, lure you, and then hold you captive to a dangerous lifestyle in sin. This is what 2 Timothy 2, 26 says. It says that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Some of you, you are tempted so deeply by different areas of your life. I mean, you struggle with temptation deeply. And it could be anything. It could be issues with sex. It could be issues with rage. It could be anger. It could be unforgiveness. It could be, you know, an addiction. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. The enemy, man, he would love for you to just be trapped and ensnared and just bound in chains that you can't, Step forward in your walk. You know what? The enemy loves to put in bondage even believers to an addiction, to a behavior, to a a mindset. 
could be anything from addiction to depression, living a lie about who you think you are. Some people, the enemy would like to trap you in a lifestyle that God says is not his plan for you. You know, I think back of a, of a few years ago, we had a dog, a Jack Russell Terrier. And if you've ever had a Jack Russell Terrier, they're the craziest dogs. You must be an advanced canine owner to own a Jack Russell Terrier. Most of the people I know that get a Jack Russell, they get rid of them within a year. Um, our, or they, they get rid of you because they run away all the time. Uh, Jack Russells are awesome. They're so funny and interactive and Man, their brains are always clicking. I mean, they do some really fun stuff. We had Jack, original name for Jack Russell, right? We had Jack. Maybe you guys might remember Jack. We loved, oh, I just miss Jack so much still. Jack actually, as a Jack Russell, he ran away and he got hit by a car. Uh, our heart was broken. We loved Jack. Uh, but Jack was a great hunter. And what he would do is he would corner animals and uh, he would not give up. That's what they were, you know, Jack Russells were bred for, for they were badger dogs. They were the type of animals that would, that would uh, dig and burrow holes after animals and would not stop and would not stop barking so that the hunter could find them and retrieve. They were, they were hunting. So it's hard to get the hunter out of the Jack Russell. So we have this, we have animals. I don't know. It's like our, our house is animal kingdom. We have had more animals show up in our yard than I think anywhere else in Woodbridge. We've had everything in our yard, uh, animal-wise, snake-wise. We've had turtles this big in our, in our, and ducks laying eggs in our area and, and uh, wild animals, you know. Woodbridge is a forest, anyhow. It's crazy. It's like living in, you know, in the outback. Um, not really. I just thought that'd be kind of funny. Uh, but we had a possum under our shed and our shed has about that much space so jack found a way to get in there and it was like oh man jack let it alone he had cornered the possum in a way that the possum could not get out from underneath the shed and jack could not get to the possum at all so it was just for hours and hours and hours and the possums are like they play dead and then calvin gets all quiet i mean jack that's our other dog. Uh, Jack gets all quiet. We're like, yes, he killed it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, that thing pops up and goes, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, it doesn't stop, does not stop. And so all this action usually happens when I'm not home. So my wife calls me and says, Jack is going crazy underneath the shed. He won't give up. It's been hours now. So I, being a man, doing man stuff, take on this possum. And I actually was able to, that's right, with my bare hands, catch a possum. (laughs) Anyway, I caught this possum after Jack had, you know, cornered him. And I put him in a big tub, because that's all I I caught him in a tub, one of those, you know, storage tubs. And I'm like, what do we do? I don't know. (laughs) We got a possum. Uh, And Jack was, oh, man, he wanted that thing so bad. And so I took him out of the front yard and I put him in the tub and I put him up on the tub and he'd lay on the ground like he was dead. Like, oh, Jack killed him. And then I'd like poke him with a stick and he would like be all stiff. And, and all of a sudden I'd just stand there and he'd jump up, you know. And then I'd poke him with a stick. It was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, man, this is really happens. These guys, they really like, so I like wait for him to just jump up, just poke him with a stick. 
And uh, so we called um, animal control. They weren't available. So the police came and they came and, and they put him in a bag and put him in their back seat. And I thought, that's right, Jack and I, we took out a possum. And I thought, though, as I was working on this today, that the enemy, what he likes to do is he likes to trap us. He likes to corner us. And, and you know what we do? We, we just kind of give in. And, 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 then we, and then we fight back. And then we give in. And then we fight back. And our whole life is filled with the struggle of giving into that sin and then fighting back and then giving in and fighting back and giving in and fighting back. And, and we go back and forth. Eventually, the goal of the enemy is to trap us. And the police took the possum to the wild, apparently, supposedly, and lets him loose, probably two blocks down the road. I don't know. Um, or it takes him out to the woods of Woodbridge, the outback of Saxe, and um, lets him loose. But the enemy doesn't want to let you go. He wants to entrap you for the rest of your life, and eventually he wants to kill you. He wants to stop you, to hold you captive. Here's the next thing the enemy does. He stops you from moving forward with God. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan stopped us. He says, man, the enemy is at work to keep me and to keep you from moving forward and stepping out and doing God's will. The enemy is there to stop us from moving forward in the work of God in our life. The enemy would love nothing more than to put the brakes on what God is doing with you, to get you off course and to stop you from growing. Some of you, you have in your heart some great dreams for God. And the enemy seems to be putting every roadblock in front of you possible to keep you from moving forward. Don't listen to that enemy lie to you. The next thing that the enemy does, the last thing that we're going to talk about is he destroys. He wants to destroy you. He wants to wipe you off, off of the face of the planet, to kill you, to kill your dreams, to kill your family, to kill your future, to kill your kids, to lay you wasted, and in some cases, to possess you and to control you. That is what the enemy wants. John Tinton says the thief, that's the enemy, that's the devil. The thief comes only, he doesn't come to build peace settlements between us and the dark world. The enemy comes as an angel of light. He looks like he's doing good, but he only is here to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. Not just your neighbor, but you. The enemy wants to kill steal and destroy your kids. Wake up, mom and dad. If that's not enough to get you angry and frustrated and get the armor out, wake up. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy your marriage. Friends, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your friends, your mom and dad. He hates you. He only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus is talking, but I've come to give you life and to have it to the full. See, the enemy has a plot to destroy you. Jesus has a plan to give you life. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And there's a spiritual war going on. It's a fight right now that's happening. So Ephesians 6 gives us, I'm going to wrap up with just three things that Ephesians 6 gives us to know that we must know 
about spiritual warfare. This is the first thing you need to know. You cannot win on your own. You cannot. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about some pretty evil things. We're going to be talking about the spiritual world. And I want you to know these things are part of the enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy you, and you cannot win on your own. You cannot do it. This is what it says in Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You can win a game of checkers on your own, but you cannot win the spiritual battle of your life without Jesus. Without him, you will lose this war. Without him, you have lost already, but with him, you have won already. You need his power We're going to talk more about that power over darkness next week. Scary movies. You guys like scary movies? Some of you guys like, you know what the number one movie genre is? Scary movies. All right. They they crank out. It used to be the scary movies like would come out like in October, right? September, October, because it was like scary month. Supernatural, Halloween, Devil's Ghost, and then Christmas movies. By the way, did you know last year there wasn't a single Christmas movie with real people? put out on on the screen first time in like years but guess how many scary movies there were hundreds right and now scary movies like there's like about three new scary movies a month that come out right it used to be it was just around halloween because people love scary movies let me tell you something they are filled with the worst theology on the planet they are filled with so many misunderstandings so many just wrong attitudes about the spirit world. And we're like, oh, God, God, God. we walk out. Oh, don't turn the light off, honey. And we flip the light off and dive into bed. Because somehow, apparently spirits can only walk. And we, some of you still have to sleep with the closet shut. Those laughing are the ones. So listen, listen for the laughter. And in these scary movies, evil usually wins or is defeated by being brave, by love, or by just the power of goodness. Let me tell you something. Without Jesus Christ, you cannot win. You will not win against evil forces. Those things cannot beat the enemy. Allah cannot beat the enemy. Buddha cannot beat the enemy. Meditation cannot beat the enemy. Positive thoughts and good meditation practices and solitude and quietness and thinking peaceful things and thinking of angels will not defeat the enemy. Only Jesus can defeat the enemy. Only Jesus, and if you're not a Christian, you should be concerned. This is what it says in Ephesians 6, 11. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. And he says, put on the full armor of God. He said, put it on. He said, defend yourself. Know what the enemy is up to and be ready to respond. He says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Those areas that we talked about, those are the devil's schemes, all right? He says, put on the armor so that you can respond and stand strong to the enemy's schemes, to the devil's schemes. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but rulers and against the authorities, against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says, there's an unseen world, an unseen war 
and an unseen victor. I want you to write this down. Your prayers are more powerful than you know. Some of you think when you pray, they just bounce off the ceiling. Some of you guys, you pray, and you feel like they stay in your car. You wonder if God is hearing you. If you are a follower of Christ, your prayers are more powerful than you ever dreamed. They're not just hitting the ceiling. They're reaching the very throne of God. And God is working and moving to accomplish his will through our submission to his will. That's what it says in Ephesians. It talks about prayer, verse six, uh, verse 13 in chapter 6. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. That means be protected, be ready, be aware, be ready to respond so that when the evil, so that when the day of evil comes, when you are attacked, you may stand your ground. Some of you, it's time to stand. I love this next verse. It says, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. That means after you've done everything to stand, Stand some more, right? I love that. Man, I'm just, I'm doing everything I can to stand. Well, here's, stand, stand some more. Stand firm then, he says. And then he goes on to say, with the belt of truth. I've got a belt on, thank God, because my pants, I don't want to be looking like I'm from the hood or nothing. I've got, I've got a belt. By the way, if you, if you got a belt, use it, guys. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see your booty, all right? Even if it does have boxers on it, it's just gross. (laughs) These guys, they can't run because they got their pants down to their knees. So you're like, like, come on, come on. Start a fight and then run. I dare you. Tell me how it works out. Um, (laughs) I'll just pull it. Oh, yeah, I don't need to run. All right, now that's a stereotype. I'm sorry. But run from guys with baggy pants. He might have a gun. That's why their pants are so baggy. It's weighing them down. Uh, again, stereotype, but it's funny. All right, here we go. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. He says, man, I'm, I'm held up with the truth of God and the power of who he is. By the way, every bit of this armor that we're going to close with is about Jesus. He says, first of all, he says, man, you have got around your waist the truth of God. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. There is no other way to heaven except for me, to the Father except for me. Jesus said, I am that truth. So man, you're putting on who Jesus is. Put on who God is. Stand firm in who you know that Jesus is and who God is and the character and the will and the power of God. Put on that truth of God. Hold up your waist. Hold up the very clothes, the very life that you live. He says, I have the belt of truth. And then he says, with the breastplate of righteousness, in place. He says, man, I, I know that I'm, the Bible says that we are righteous through Christ alone. He says, man, I got the truth of who Jesus is. I got the breastplate that I am made right in God's eyes through Jesus, protecting my heart, protecting my chest, protecting my soul. The, the, anything that comes against me to try to attack my heart, my emotions, I know who I am in Christ and I'm his child. I'm righteous in his eyes. Devil, step back. He says this in verse 15. He says, and with our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, man, my feet are ready. He says, man, I don't walk around barefoot. You don't walk into battle without your shoes on. You don't walk into a war without 
some feet covering. So the Bible says, put your feet into this knowledge of the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means, he says that when you are getting dressed in the morning, I want you to be ready to spread the knowledge and the peace of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He says, man, when you put on Jesus, when you're ready to talk about Jesus, that everywhere you go, you become a soldier for God. Everywhere you step, you are ready to stand for the Prince of Peace. Not the Prince of War, the Prince of Peace. He says the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to this, I take up the shield of faith. I like this shield. It's got a line on it. He says, I take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, you know what? The enemy will try to attack you. Let me tell you something. I'm going to talk about this next week when we talk about the devil. The devil is not God, period. God is omnipresent. The devil is not. God is omniscient. He knows all things. The devil does not. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. The devil is not. God knows all things. The devil does not know all things. The enemy does not have the power to read your mind. What the enemy does is he tries to plant voices in your mind and lie to you. The Bible says only God knows the secrets of our heart. The enemy knows our weakness and will attack us in the areas of our weakness. So the enemy will shoot at you lies and lust and deception and accuse you. And he will be your adversary. He will attack you in the ways of blindness and pride. And what the Bible says is put on the shield of faith to ward off against the arrows of the enemy. You know what? Devil, I don't believe that lie, what you're saying. I know who I am in Jesus. I've got by faith, I know who Jesus is. My faith is in the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And you might shoot lies and lust and deception and depression at me. You might try to attack me on my own. I'm unprotected, but I got my faith that will shield me against your lies. He says, you've got the shield of faith. I love that. He says, and then he says, take up the helmet of salvation. And I like the helmet of salvation because it's got this picture of our mind and our thoughts. He says, you know what? He says, you need to know who you are in Jesus. You need to know what to believe. You need to have a proper view of the devil and stop giving him the power that he doesn't have. A lot of people, they like to think the devil and the God are like some equal forces, like that arm wrestling Jesus. And you're like, man, you're the God. I just hope you're the good guy. I hope you got a little edge on him. Man, get the mind of Christ. Man, the devil is a loser. He has nothing on God. And if you are a child of God, the devil has nothing on you. Get that helmet on. The Bible says the helmet of salvation. The Bible says in Acts that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus. So when you put on the helmet of salvation, you're like, Jesus, let me see the world through your eyes. Let me have the mind of Christ. God, let me know that I am saved, that you are with me. God, that when the enemy tries to attack my mind, that I've got got my salvation secure and solid in Jesus that I know who I am. He says, put on that helmet of salvation. And then he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And by the way, the Bible says that Jesus is the word made flesh. Every single piece of armor is Jesus. He says, man, you take that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we use it as a skilled warrior to fight off the lies and the attacks of the enemy that come against our family. All the other weapons are defensive. The sword is an offensive weapon. You don't defend, 
so much with the sword as you do attack. And the Bible says it's time for you to get the sword out with your family and start quoting the Bible over your kids, over your wife. Start living that word at work. Start living that word at school. Start walking in what you know the enemy despises. And when you use God's word, boom, guess who dies? Guess who is defeated? The forces of darkness in our life. He says, put on that armor. Put on the armor. There's a fight. There's a war. We're supposed to put on truth, righteousness, and readiness to share the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. He says, verse 18, and pray in the spirit. That means pray led of God. It says, man, when you are walking in the spirit, Galatians 5, when you walk in the spirit, man, you pray in the spirit. You know what? I don't just pray in the morning when it's time to go to school, when it's time to go to work, when it's time to go out with my family. I pray in the morning and then I pray all day long. I walk in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. It's time that we stop just praying before meals and we pray all day long. How do you do that? How do you do that? He says, he says, on all occasions. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. That means, man, sometimes you need to pray a prayer of request. Sometimes you need to pray a prayer of deliverance. Sometimes you need to pray God's word of faith. Sometimes you just need to acknowledge God's goodness because you are feeling low in spirit and need encouragement. He says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of different types of prayer. And he says, with this in mind, be alert and always Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. He says, man, there's others that need prayer too. And don't forget to pray for them. I love this. He says, you know what? If you feel like you're under attack, that might be God giving you spiritual eyes. Some of you right now feel like your family's under attack. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, man, you're, the things at home are getting really weird. You know what? That is a spiritual attack to divide. Some of you, you're like, man, I feel like my kids are pulling away or my parents are pulling away or my friends are pulling away from Jesus. That is a spiritual attack of the enemy to blind their eyes and to pull them away and to stop God's plan. If you know the devil's plans, then we can identify when it's the devil. You realize that, right? When someone is struggling to know Jesus, that is the devil. When someone is struggling to forgive, that is the devil. When someone knows that God has called them to share their faith, but they feel like every door is being shut, that is the devil. Guys, know the devil's schemes. We talked about him. Know those and you know when he's at work and pray and go before God with him. Put on your armor and go to war. It's time we learn to fight. So many Christians, they have no idea how to fight. And they just pray to God they can have somebody pray for them because they don't know how to fight for their own. It's good that we can pray for each other. I will pray for you anytime you need. And you have family and small groups and friends that will pray for you if you connect to a life team. But it's time that you learn how to fight. You, as a Christian, put on the armor of God and fight for your family, for your marriage, for your friends, for your school, fight for your own life. He says, the thoughts in my head, the things when I close my eyes, when I feel like I'm under attack, I fight. Let me tell you something. All day long, man, I'm cornered with, with, with attacks from the enemy. I believe it. I believe it. And I pray. Sometimes I get into bed and I just, man, I just see evil. And I think, 
evil things about my family, my kids, horrible things. And I have to, I immediately, man, open my eyes, declare by faith that Jesus is Lord. I declare the armor of God over my life and over their life. And man, and you know what happens? Those thoughts are gone. The enemy is squelched, but he comes back another day. He will never give up. You got to give the devil that. He's not a quitter. Too bad we are. He says in Ephesians 6, 19, he ends up with this. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul prayed and asked us to pray for him to be fearless. This is the last thing I want you to write down is that you do not fight for victory. You fight from victory. We're not fighting to win the kingdom. The kingdom is won. We do not fight to defeat. We fight from victory. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have no need to be afraid of the demonic realm. You have already won. You can, with boldness, be fearless at work, at school, in your home. You can, with boldness, be fearless knowing you have already won. We're not fighting to win. We are enforcing the victory Jesus has secured in our life. If you are a Christian, you are not alone. You are not losing. You have won. Jesus is victor. Satan is defeated. We're going to talk about the war between Satan and the forces of light and darkness next week. Don't miss. John, 1 John 4, 4 says this. He says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Romans 16, 19 says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. He goes on to say to Timothy in 2 Timothy, Paul says, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes this world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is that that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me tell you something. Follower of Jesus, be fearless. Those without Jesus, be afraid. That's a challenge to some of you. Who is it that overcomes? Only those that believe Jesus, the Son of God. So this invisible war is real. And you're feeling it now. Because there's a war in your spirit right now on whether you're going to surrender to Jesus finally, once and for all. Will you take up the shield of faith today and know that Jesus is real. The devil is real. The devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give you life. Who will you choose? Let's pray. God, I believe there are people here today that are under attack from the enemy. Lord, some of these things we talked about, they are dealing with in their home and in their family. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would let them know that they are free and free indeed in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that even now, 
but that there's a freedom to respond to Jesus. So with head bowed and eyes closed, you're here today. You're saying, you know what? It's my time. It's time. My eyes are open. I now see the enemy has been attacking me and lying to me. And now I understand it's time for me to surrender to Jesus. He is my only hope. He's my only place of victory. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for setting me free. Forgive me of my sin. I've made a lot of mistakes. Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to walk with you. I have won because you have won. Help me to understand the attacks of the enemy so that I might stand strong and endure to the end. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer you know, and you meant that maybe for the first time or a fresh commitment to the Lord, could you just raise your hand and say, you know what? I prayed that prayer and it meant a lot to me today. Hands going up everywhere. God, thank you for these men and women, these young people that raised their hands. God, give us eyes to see the spirit realm so that we may never underestimate your power and the enemy's influence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at the invisible war. We're going to take a look at angels, demons, the supernatural, dreams in heaven and hell. But let me answer a few of these texts. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward at this time. We're going to do the offering, and uh, during the offering, I'm going to answer these texts, a few of these, all right? By the way, as the ushers are coming, thank you, ushers, out on the uh, lobby over the next several weeks are the rocks, stones that last week we said we took a stone and we put the date on it. If you get one today, put the date on it. If you get it next week, put the date on it. Basically a stone that's saying, I will build the kingdom of God. I will be a part of one that stands to build my family and to build a city in this community, a church that makes a difference. If you want to make that pledge with us today, get your stone, put your date on it, Put it on your dresser and remember to lift up in spiritual war your family and your church because that's how you build the wall. All right, go ahead and pass the offering. God, thank you for meeting our need, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right, I've got one for my daughter. She says, hello. Hello. Where'd you go? She was over here. Hello, sweetheart. Um, all right, some of these I'll, I may have to touch next week. It says, how do you know if mental illness uh, is a disease or demonic. We're actually going to talk a little bit about that when we talk about demon possession. Sometimes it's not that easy, but um, the simple way is to know that if you are a believer and you have the power over darkness, and the Bible says you have been given the power to cast out devils, uh, that is the uh, gift that believers have in the Spirit of God. Uh, and if, if you pray for someone who has a mental illness and they still have a mental illness, it may not be a spirit. So, we're going to talk more about that later on. Uh, another question is, should we pray for God to open our eyes to spiritual warfare, or is that bad? I don't think it's bad, but again, we don't want to put an over strangely, uh, you know, superstitious spin on the supernatural. But if you are blind to the supernatural, pray that God would give you spiritual eyes to see the supernatural without seeing a demon in every corner because that's not the goal the goal is not to see oh there's devils flying all you know some people they won't come to our church you know why 
because there's evil and scary movies and demon movies, quotation fingers, being played in this same theater. After we're done, what's playing in here today? Do you guys know? What is it? Totally a demonic movie. Totally. <laughs> no, just Sunday with a chance to meet balls too. I love that movie. But you know, sometimes we have like the da- uh, Damien series in here. A few years ago, our theater said just 666. And we're like, great. So we put a little piece of paper on it. You know, uh, I don't think because there's a, a bad movie in here that there's evil spirits floating around. We need to make sure that we have a clear view and that we know that the Lord is Lord of all. Um, someone asked, are ghosts real? Uh, good question. We're actually going to talk about that next week when we talk about demons and, and the devil. And uh, ghosts, dead people are not real. Ghosts are real. And we're talking about that next week. When you die, you don't get to hang around your house. All right. Good news for some of you, right? Um, so you guys can't wait to get out of there. Um, we'll talk about that next week some more. Some person says, uh, you say the devil isn't omnipresent. So how can he be attacking two people at once? When we say the devil is up to work, or, or that's something that the devil or Satan has his hand in, it's not the devil who's maybe personally involved. The Bible gives this kind of picture of, of this hierarchy of evil where the devil is like the prince of darkness and he has his minion or demons working for him. The devil is, can only be at one place at one time and he does, uh, he does his work through fallen angels. We're going to talk about that next week. But the devil is not omnipresent. Great. Uh, someone says, when do we stop fighting? The answer is never. You never, never, never stop fighting. He says, having done all to stand, he says, stand firm then. Stand some more. Fight some more. Be ready. Be ready. Guys, listen. The devil, man, he doesn't quit. Stop quitting. Stop quitting on your kids. Stop quitting on your marriage. Stop quitting on your family and on that friend. It's amazing how people who you didn't expect to know Jesus, the, the, the scales come off and they find them. All right? It's a spiritual battle, not a fleshly. You can't convince someone to know Jesus. Only the Spirit can move in that area. Someone asked, he says, um, um, before I forget, I have a story about something that happened to me years ago that made me a true believer in the demonic realm and gave me a healthy um, fear. I don't know if we would be something you can use, but I would tell you if you want. I will talk to this person. We'll find out. Um, all right. I can't proofread this ahead of time. Uh, this is what image popped into my head. All right. This person sent me a link. I'll take a look at it. This person says, uh, what about Bigfoot? <laughs> LOL. They did put LOL. So. And don't be like dissonant Sasquatch. Uh, I fascinated with Bigfoot. All right. Not because I'm a believer, but you never know. Uh, You'd think they'd have caught him like for real at this point. Uh, Marlo, thank you so much. I was just going to (laughs) say, I'm sorry. I did not mean to to read your name. This person, (laughs) I won't read it now. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, We love you so much. Anyhow, it wasn't a question. It was a comment. Anyhow, I love you guys. Uh, We're just going to go ahead and close and then uh, you can play whatever you want. God, thank you so much. We love you. And uh, God, I'm blessed by this church, by these people. And uh, Lord, I pray you give us eyes to see that we never stop fighting. Lord, that through you, we are already winners. We're already victorious in you, God. We don't have to have fear in Jesus. And everybody said...
Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend who's afraid of the dark. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.